You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Has been uh, very popular with uh, many of you. And uh, mashallah, a lot of uh, contributions coming from all over the world uh, when uh, this program comes on. And alhamdulillah, you can recall this program on your podcast. And uh, this evening on Wasail Al-Ihlam Al-Sadiqa Truthful News, we have uh, someone uh, that is uh, very popular throughout the world for his views. And he also makes a brilliant uh, contributor to uh, different uh, radio platforms, our very own uh, member of parliament, uh, Firebrand, and uh, someone is also very dini conscious, our very own Ahmad Manzoor, Sheikh Imam. And uh, with the listeners, let me welcome uh, both of you with a hearty assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me, Ahmad, how are you doing this fine, beautiful evening? Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, shukran for having me on the air. A beautiful, mashallah, evening in Durban, no doubt about it. Alhamdulillah, really great to have you, Ahmed. And, uh, you know, talking about uh, many things happening in this world and, uh, you know, the topic to discuss and, you know, knowing you, mashallah, as well as I know, is uh, how long uh, can the masses be duped? Uh, and uh, there's uh, Ahmed Mandur Sheikh Imam uh, to address. It's, it's, it's a vast topic. It's an important topic. It's only people like yourselves uh, that are conscientized, uh, you know, that read in between the lines uh, that get to know you know, you don't, you're not a sheeple, you're not herded into your thinking or neither, you know, years and years of propaganda has affected you or maybe you and I, we are, we are a piece of the same pod. But uh, what I'd like to know from you, Ahmad Mansoor, uh, Sheikh Imam, is when did you, you know, realize that we've been duped, we've been, uh, uh, you know, captured, uh, we've been uh, dictated to, that, you know, they tell us when to how high, we can go on how low we must go and when to jump off and so forth. When did you get this realization or the consciousness of uh, what we see is not the reality behind it? There's another network, uh, there's another type of a scenario where people talk about the Freemasons, they talk about uh, uh, the Illuminati, they talk about uh, you know those that uh, have assigned a pact with you know, Iblis to change the pattern of living for mankind. Ahmed, when did you get this realization? When did you get this? Uh, when did you? When did you become conscious, Ahmed? Well, I think I was very fortunate that you know, first of all, that I come from a family that have been very involved uh, in political affairs, in sports, and uh, so from a very young age, I think I would have had access to information and took an interest in these things. And more importantly, you were able to understand better the role of different uh, powers in the world and uh, what their agenda is and to what extent they will go, how they will go out, go about it. I mean, social media, for instance, is their innovation. And what is the reason for that? You know, so that, you know, you're knowing and understanding that people are so vulnerable and social media can be used in the correct manner. It could be very beneficial, but more often than not, you'll find that it's used for the wrong purposes. And more importantly, uh, there's high levels of abuse when it comes to social media and things. But I think what is important to note that whilst we and many of us in the world will want to live, uh, and I think billions of us that will want to live a normal, healthy, secure, comfortable life. There are those that are working behind the scenes 24 hours a day, seven days a week to cause mayhem, distress, chaos in the world. And more importantly, with an agenda. And the agenda is often different. Sometimes it is to reduce population, to achieve a certain uh, objective. Sometimes it is, uh, you know, it is. they will cause disease. Sometimes they will cause disaster, civil unrest. They will cause war. Because remember, if you look deeper into this, Brother Shafford, that many people or organizations or countries or powers, anything and everything that happens anywhere in the world, somebody benefits from it. And when your options are reduced and you have limited options, you will go to any extent to be able to sustain that and achieve that ultimate objectives. And so, you know, uh, uh, so media is one of the ways uh, 
they have managed to thus far succeed. You know, I remember asking the Minister of Health, uh, in fact, I think it's a year ago because I saw the, the, the video pushed up again the other day. And, you know, when he talks about fake news and propaganda and things, so I asked him, how do you identify what is fake news? Is anything that you don't want to hear fake news? Anything that is contrary to what you're saying is fake news? And even though it comes from maybe experts in, in the particular field, you will still call it fake news or propaganda. But over and above that, there's nothing that some of them will do to convince you otherwise, other than to say this is propaganda. So I think, you know, unfortunately, uh, 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 social media particularly, and of course, mainstream media, uh, and I think you have less of this in community media radio stations and things, but particularly the mainstream media and the social media platforms, which we all know um, managed, owned by certain big entities who collude with these organizations, it will be very difficult, very, very difficult to be able to control this. Very, very difficult. Uh, even here in our own country, if you look at it, Brother Shafan, that the mainstream media will not often write about successes and good stories and things. They thrive on division, destruction, uh, 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 negative publicity, and that kind of thing. So whilst the media, and particularly social media and things, can be used, if used in the correct manner, uh, 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 and yield positive results, you know, I think in the main, it is not achieving that. Yeah, Ahmed, you know, I was also thinking about uh, both of you and I, we grew up in an era, or, you know, an apartheid era, and our media was uh, like so closed uh, that we uh, actually never knew what was going on uh, beyond the borders of South Africa. And uh, we used to get our news here and there. But, uh, you know, most of our family members uh, of the elders of that time would love to hear uh, the Urdu or the Gujarati spoken. So they will tune in to Radio India or Radio Pakistan and so forth. And uh, then, uh, yeah, you know, you and I, we were all uh, so herded into our cocoons we played our soccer and you know we had that uh, that nationalistic pride or the tribalistic pride for our you know for for, for our commu uh, community clearwood versus uh, chatsworth chatsworth versus uh, spingo spingo versus uh, Mearbank, and so forth you know we had our focus and uh, these uh, apartheid government was quite successful in keeping us in our cocoons but perhaps it was you know a blessing in disguise at that time our, our behavior and our moral standards were of a very high high nature but we didn't know what was going on in Palestine. We didn't know what was happening in uh, the other parts of the world because they very cleverly kept away the uh, uh, the, the jolly box of the TV was out of the equation. Uh, what were your thoughts? I mean, I only con I got conscientized about Palestine is a time when I joined uh, that you know, and that was in 1890. And uh, this is when the whole world opened up to me. What was your scenario and how do you read our upbringing up, uh, you know, our upbringing where we didn't know what was uh, happening in the, uh, the, the, the international world. Were you uh, uh, having the same experience as me? Well, I think first of all, remember that the apartheid regime deliberately put measures in place to prevent uh, the broader community. And when I say broader community, I think I'm talking about anybody that was not white from access to information locally and internationally because it is through media platforms you can highlight the concerns and the challenges that people face and you'll also be able to it will be a, a platform for uh, communicating your your uh, the challenges and things that you face or the concerns that you have you will be able to garner more and more support as a result of the free availability of, of, of reports and things like that, and media communication. So they, I think, with an iron fist, controlled the media. 
that to some extent has not changed in the country. The mainstream media in the country remain captured. Uh, it, it is owned uh, by a handful of people. And even when you find smaller community uh, uh, newspapers and things uh, 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 being launched, soon thereafter you find that mainstream media, the big guys, generally buy them off in order to close them down and things. So that's the first thing. But the other important aspect is this, yes, that they ensured because of the collusion that existed would I would give an example with the South African government and the Israelis. Remember, the Israelis were one of them that helped the South African government uh, to try and break the sanctions and things that were imposed on the apartheid regime at the time. And remember that South Africa worked via Israel to Switzerland and things like that. Uh, so any information, even on the issue of Palestine and things, was a no-go area. Very little. You've relied almost entirely, Bernard Jefford, on international radio. And there too, remember, you battled, you know, for you had major network problems. You could hardly hear it and things like that. So there was uh, there was a lot of restrictions put in place. Uh, for access to information from a media perspective. And that made it very, very difficult. But I think, in, and, 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 and I think we must give a lot of credit, Brother Shafford, particularly to all our masajids and our alims and things at that time, who highlighted the challenges that the Ummah were facing in different parts of the world, like in Palestine, in Syria and everywhere else. And that was one of the platforms, and that was the massages, where people had access to information that you were not privy to in the country itself. And that has helped a whole lot. Then, Brother Shafat, we've had, uh, amongst Umar, we've had Muslim organizations, the Muslim youth movement, and many others at that stage that were very vocal <laughs> and we're in the forefront of, of the struggle for liberation in the country and, 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 and standing up for what they believed was right and just. So those are some of the mechanisms through which we were able to get access. So I think all credit must go to the alims and, and things that, 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 that uh, through the masajids, particularly at Juma, uh, uh, you know, lectures and things were getting out the message to our people which we were able uh, uh, to get yeah Ahmed, and you know it was uh, such a dangerous period that when uh, if you got caught with the material that was uh, inflammatory towards uh, the uh, upper apartheid regime and you know showing uh, uh, allegiance to anc and so forth uh, you were gone i mean they put you away in certain cases people were tortured to death uh, to, to to death and so forth and uh, also, when you look at uh, that era, uh, you know, there were a lot of uh, material that uh, was not aired yet, but uh, we could have got explosive documentaries that people used to bring into Swaziland and smuggle it into South Africa. And, you know, like the stories of Mandela and this and that. When you watched it and you got a shock of your life, you say, oh, is this really happening in our countries? I don't know if you had that experience that, uh, you know, I noticed uh, that quite a few of my uh, uncles, uh, you know, used to bring in those uh, type of material. And, you know, as a youngster, when I looked at that, I, I didn't realize, but years later, I realized, no, no, these were very dangerous things that they were doing. Because if they got caught with that material, they were gone for good, uh, Ahmad. Yeah, Brother Shafat, you are correct that during the days of apartheid, it was not what material you only had, even if you had to say something against the government or anything negative against them or their policies. Uh, uh, you know, you you were already a target. And I remember myself, I used to be a member of the Action Committee to Stop Evictions in Johannesburg. And I was a spokesperson for the Hillbrow Jubei Park Tenants Action Committee. And I know that we've had a couple of meetings in the building in Hillbrow. And uh, soon thereafter, I knew that the special branch were looking for me. 
And I also remember them having a chat with my brother one day and saying to him, but it's Christmas Day, Boxing Day, or New Year's Day. Those were the words. We will catch your brother. And the day we catch him, he won't see the outside again. And if he wants to say anything, then he must go and say it. And remember, we've had the likes of the South African Indian Council and things at that stage. They wanted you to was by them. So, you know, uh, uh, you, you were, there was very little you could actually say and do. But despite the difficulties, because of what you believed in, and I think a lot of it has to do with who we are, how we grew up, and, 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 and the fact that we, we are members of the Ummah, and we get our guidance and wisdom from there, that we, it was, there was no such a thing as fear as what these people can do to us and what will happen. No, that was the last thing I think that was on our minds. We still went on on what we believed and did what we have to do. So you are absolutely correct when you say that they put a lot of restriction. And yes, by, and this is why I say, Brother Shafat, you know, we are very short-sighted in South Africa. We often forget the role that some of these neighboring countries, like even Swaziland and others, played in the liberation of this particular country. Can you imagine if we didn't get assistance from the likes of Swaziland, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Zambia particularly, you know, I want to talk about even the DRC, even talk about outside the, the Russian Republic and things like that. Had we not had the support from these people, Cuba, very importantly, Muammar Gaddafi and Libya, I mean, look at it. If we did not get the support from people of this nation and this country, where would we have been today? Are we so short-sighted, such short memory that we forget the role these people play? Today, the very we have our own black brothers and sisters from our own continent are our greatest enemies today. You know, so uh, uh, there's no doubt about it that we're under very difficult circumstances. Oppression was the order of the day. Uh, uh, you know, you couldn't say what you want. You couldn't be where you want. Everything was a problem. Uh, I remember there was an, a, a, a Molana brother, Shafat. Uh, from Sikolik and uh, his late name, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granting Jannah to them. His surname was Aziz. I'm trying, I know he used to look like a Mexican. And I remember that he was, and he looked, you know, he was on the Whites Only Beach in Durban. And how the police, <laughs> I think the police got there and were giving him a hard time and things like that. You know, so, you know, it, 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 our people went through a very difficult time. But, they persevered through the NIC, the TIC, the UDF, the working with the ANC and other institutions. You know, it wasn't easy, but uh, they persevered and, and, uh, and, 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 and we've been liberated. The question is, after all you went through, where are you today? <laughs> like the president of AMCU said the other day, yesterday, I think, is it? Yeah, he says, well, you were, you know, your only difference is there was a white board and a black board, so you couldn't go in there. But what did they leave you? They didn't leave you with a dysfunctional country. They didn't leave you with infrastructure like this. They gave you everything. Today, you got nothing. But be that as it may, yes, I think we, have, we went through very difficult times, Brother Shafat. And uh, many, I remember my dad, uh, 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 and the special branch came to visit him. And I remember them parking there and we were in great fear. They came to interrogate him because they felt that, you know, he was a shop steward and, 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 and obviously some of the statements that he might have made. Uh, so there was a lot of fear instilled in our people. And when you know that these special branches coming or law enforcement police officers are coming, you were really afraid of them because you knew that these guys were, will terrorize you. Yeah, and they were getting trained by the Mossad at that time also, because there was an unholy alliance between the apartheid regime and Israel, as you said. And it was, I think, the alliance that they had with both of them, that they made the nuclear bomb and this and many other things that came through. But a very important factor was, you know, there were certain families that were known as activists that were against the government, and these families were targeted and, you know, some of them in, incarcerated and so forth. I'm talking about mostly Indian and uh, maybe Muslim families. But there were other families that blatantly were known as priyaks that actually reported their fellow brothers and their neighbors and their community. They were sitting in the mosque and uh, 
you know, spying on their own Muslims. And these families, uh, you know, they think uh, people have forgotten, but still at the back of the mind when they talk about these individuals, uh, you know, they still say, yeah, that was a sellout, uh, Ahmed. Uh, your thoughts on that? Yes, indeed. I mean, it's the same today. Uh, and all over the world you find this. I mean, an ideal example is look at some of our Muslim, so-called Muslim countries. And that's why, you know, I always uh, rem- remind myself about what uh, uh, our Mufti, AK, uh, you know, normally says that you can call them Muslim countries, but you can't call them Islamic countries. And that's the difference between the two. It's exactly the same thing today. They too collude with these people. They too give information and things like that. So even here, it was a major problem at that stage because you really didn't know who, you know, uh, uh, and when you did and identified them, it used to tear communities apart, uh, families apart, because, you know, you would find that there would be one person for his or her own selfish reasons will be colluding with the apartheid regime and certain other institutions and organizations. And uh, it was very difficult. And, 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 you know, you would only find out that much later through leaked information after the damage has been done, because, uh, you know, uh, more often than not, it was after the fact. Had you found out before, you might have known to take your necessary precautions against certain people. But can you imagine, Brother Shafa, that you're sitting at the same table having a meal together or in the same masajid with your fellow brothers, but in there you have somebody that is basically uh, colluding with the apartheid regime. You are fighting for the cause, the correct cause, the right cause, to do the right thing. And there is a person sitting next to you in the masajid talking to you, but, you know, you know uh, giving you an impression that he's in support with you aligning himself with you, but in the meantime, he's looking for the information that he can pick up so that he can go and sell it out to government. And we had a lot of people like that that used to actually sell out information. And it is for that reason some of our brothers and sisters lost their lives, Brother Shepherd. There's been some very prominent families, as you know, uh, that, 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 you know, went uh, the extra mile uh, and stood, you know, for what they believed in. But uh, unfortunately, you know, in all societies all over the world, you will find those people uh, that will always oppose you or if the term is, you know, sell you out or, you know. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. But remember, it is how the superpowers or the powers manipulate you, how they... Uh, 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 you know, uh, what should be the term I should use, how they will uh, uh, buy you, by, by, by how they infiltrate communities, by identifying in those communities those that they can work with and then pay them to get information. Uh, lots and lots of people used to be paid, but particularly by the apartheid regime. And currently, we have that all over the world, you'll find that you know, uh, 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 there are spies from some countries giving information to the others. You find it even in senior positions. So it is a, a I mean, if you look at what is happening in Pakistan right now, I mean, the, 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 the downfall right, uh, of, of, of Imran Khan right now, uh, you know, is, 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 is not something to do only with Pakistan itself, but it's the interference and the influence that others have from outside the borders of Pakistan with those in Pakistan itself that this has brought uh, Imran Khan to where he is today. Uh, otherwise, I can tell you, if it's just the people of Pakistan on their own, they may not have been in the position to be able to deal decisively with him or the way they are. It is uh, because of the support that they enjoy from uh, 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 foreign governments and individuals and institutions uh, that they are able to achieve this objective. Uh, so yes, it's very unfortunate, but it exists all over the world that you have those people of ours who would, you know, uh, create the impression that they are part of you, but actually they're not part of you, they are against you. And it's not easy to identify them here. Mm, sad indeed, uh, and the stigma still uh, stays there. But I mean, you know, I want to even uh, look at the, you know, when the uh, uh, the the, the uh, parties or the, the the police or the what you call them, uh, the 
secret police of, at, at, at that time, uh, BOSS, eh? Bureau of States uh, Security. security. Yeah, that was the name, the boss, not your chomi now, that boss uh, security. <laughs> but this, uh, this boss, uh, I mean, they, when they came, and uh, certain individuals were given the option of uh, being deported. And I know, you know, as a young man, there were certain people in your area that were being deported. The people were crying. They said, oh, Allah, he's going, they're deporting him to London and so forth. Talk to us about that uh, scenario. How aware were you of people being deported? And did they give you an option? Are you deported or we put you in? Talk to me, Ahmed. Yeah, that is why I've created that quote. That if you have a mother, you have everything. Even if you have nothing in the world, but you got a mother, you got everything. But if you got everything in the world and you don't have a mother, you got nothing. And I say this because when I was in, when I was, uh, uh, when they were looking for me, the special branch and things, and my mom came and she cried and cried and cried and made sure she dragged me away from Gauteng or Johannesburg then and brought me back. So this is the mother that she feels the pain for her child, which nobody else can have been blessed with but the mother. But uh, uh, coming back to the, your, your question, yes, uh, uh, quite a few of them had the option uh, because they were being accepted by certain countries internationally, had the option of even leaving and going away. And, uh, and, and, and of course, the, some of them, of course, had taken in the option because they had no alternative. But uh, it was government's way of uh, dealing with those that they believed that was a serious threat. You know, uh, 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 and you know, it was for that reason they also regarded the NIC as a threat because remember, initially when our forefathers came in on the and worked on the farms, and you know the horrendous conditions that they worked under, Brother Shepherd, until they rose one day and said, "No, enough is enough. We're not going to be working for anybody. We want to be the owners now." You know, and and that's when they saw the real power of the Indian community at that stage. And that's why people must not undermine the role that the Indian community played in the liberation of this country. In fact, it is the Indian uh, NIC and things that, 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 that uh, 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 encouraged the ANC and gave support to the ANC and worked with the ANC and others. So, and we often forget that. But a lot of our people paid the ultimate price, brother, either by having to be deported, some lost their lives, some lost family members uh, as a result of the, the, their association with, uh, with the resistant movements in the country and things. So, yes, so that's uh, part of history that we often don't talk about and, 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 and the sacrifices that many made uh, so that we could today enjoy freedom as much as I will still question the kind of freedom that we enjoy today, but at least freedom from oppression in terms of apartheid. But let us not forget that if you think apartheid is a think of the past, I think we need a rethink because I think apartheid is alive and well now and you'll find now. And I remember saying this one day, you know, in, and I think it was Hassam Sidat was the name, I think that came uh, to give a talk on behalf of the ANC. And it was in the Mirwen community hall. And I remember saying to him then that what I see is that when the ANC comes into power, you will have apartheid in reverse. And this is a long time ago, the Sherman. And what I see in the country right now, there's so much of apartheid where Black South Africans are beginning to be made or convinced to hate other people so much so even to hate amongst their own. You know, you can see what's happening with the with the foreign nationals in the country. You can see the hatred between one tribe and the other, and you can see the hatred between one race and the other. But remember, it is also the apartheid government that created this hatred between the black and the Indian community during the days of apartheid. If you remember the 1949 riots and the collusion and the third force that we had existed and whatever it is. So, yeah, so, so you know, to some extent, uh, 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 we are still victims of that uh, racial hatred and divide. 
uh, that was created by the apartheid regime many, many years ago. And let us not forget, of course, the role, the particular role of the British, not only in South Africa, but all over the world in terms of the division that they have created. Yeah, I'm, I'm also recalling, you know, when it came to education, it seemed as if, okay, our schools were state-aided schools and, uh, you know, the government gave a certain amount, the community put in a certain amount and uh, they produced at a very high level. Then you had your teacher's training college, uh, you had your, uh, you know, your, your medical schools and uh, many other uh, universities that, that came into being. Uh, with a very strong uh, apartheid presence at the, you know, the, the chancellors and, and uh, the all, 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 all these guys are running uh, the, uh, these departments. But when it came to education, they didn't deprive uh, the, uh, the Indians of, uh, you know, of achieving a very high level or a very high standard. Uh, why was that so, Ahmed? But let us not also forget, Brother Shafat, that it is the Indian community that took the lead mm. when it came to education. The one thing that they put high on the list of priorities on the agenda was the issue of education for the children. It was not unusual, Brother Shafat, that one brother in the family or one you know, child will make way and make sacrifice and give up and go and work so that the others can be educated. Let us not forget that the Indian community, despite the difficulties that they faced in terms of the uh, oppression and things, uh, focused a lot on education, on making, and that is why so many of them went into the medical field, into the education field and things, built our own schools, funded by Indian institutions, and that's why they call them state-aided. Government did not create and build these schools for us. Government only assisted. But where did it come from? It came from the Indian community themselves who, to, uh, who decided that this is what we want best for our children because they were thinking, you know, years ahead that we need to create a better future for our children later on means we had to make the sacrifices today. And, 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 and so that is why the Indian community excelled when it came to a, a, in the field of education, in the field of health or the medical field and others, I mean, training colleges and things. It's because of the sacrifices that the Indian community particularly. We'll try and get Ahmad Mandur Sheikh Imam back and uh, inshallah we will be continuing with Wasail al-Alam Sadiqa. Yes, sir, Lukolo, we seem to have had a gremlin coming through there whilst Ahmad Mandur Sheikh Imam was talking. But uh, Lukolo has indicated to me that Ahmad is uh, back. Ahmad, uh, you were very eloquently talking about uh, Indian education and, you know, they went and uh, they really, uh, you know, the, the community identified individuals and, uh, you know, even the individuals, uh, I mean, the, the, the community got together to fund an individual uh, that, you know, they found was outstanding if he could have made a top doctor or a top barrister. You know, the, the community uh, all put the hands in the pocket and contributed, Ahmad. Uh, you know, they did things like that, Ahmad. Yes, uh, you know, like I said before, you know, I think that we put education as one of our priorities, number one. And uh, that is why we've excelled in the medical field, in the education field and things. But, you know, uh, you know, government, and that is why they call them state-aided school, like I said before, it is that despite the challenges that we faced, many of the family members made sacrifices. And if they saw in any family, extended family, somebody that had the necessary capacity and the ability and that can do well, then they came together as a united family and put money together and, 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 and would send these people to go out and uh, better their education and things like that. And when they achieved that success, it was a big thing, you know, a big welcoming because it was quite a sacrifice then, because remember, if you were going to from point A to point B, it used to take you sometime a very long period of time. It's not like now you can get on the plane and in eight hours time you're in the next country. Uh, 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 but, you know, so all those things, I think the sacrifices, I think the point I'm trying to make is that Indian families made so that their children can be a success today. And even in the field of business, Brother Shepherd, they made a lot of sacrifice. I was saying that, you know, 
how in your area there's a bakery called Crescent Bakery used to exist in Isapingo Rail, I think. And I think that bakery used to make some of the nicest snowballs and naan, I think it is. And I remember that you were restricted in the mode of transport as well. And, and these people used to go and deliver them by bus in their baskets, load the stuff and go in those buses, you know, take uh, public transport to be able to go and, 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 and deliver these things. So these are some of the sacrifices they made so that they could ensure that their children will today be successful. If you look in the tailoring field, for example, particularly among the, 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 the Indian community, the, the so-called Banya community outside, you know, uh, 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 you'd find that their children are no longer tailors. They don't want to be tailors. They've deviated, diverted from there. Now they are, uh, they are, you know, in field of uh, 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 medicine, and I mean, not only in the health sector, but chartered accountants and things. So that's the legal field. So this is the direction that they all have gone. But it is all as a result of the sacrifices that you made those years to ensure that the children of today will live a better life and will get the necessary education and things. Because whilst we might have been privy to a little better education than the Bantus or the Blacks of that stage, as they used to call them, the Bantu education, but we still had a lot of setbacks, And but we've taken it upon ourselves to make sure that, that, that we achieve that, 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 that uh, success for our next generation and that's where we are today you know Ahmad, you know how to tickle my brains uh, you talk about crescent bakery i mean uh you know i grew up in the Spingo area where you know my uh, grandfather owned a filling station and uh, you know we had a big bagicha a big orchard but i remember every day after school i have to walk to crescent bakery uh you know uh, what they call it the queen cake and a queen cool cake yeah, queen, queen cake, cake. And, and, and 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 a cool drink and they happened to be, uh, I think, the owner of a Crescent Bakery was the brother of a Kismet Bakery of Clarewood. And uh, these were two of the most popular bakeries in in, 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 uh, in, in our part of the world. And you won't believe it, uh, Kismet Bakery, uh, you know, one of the di- directors of the son still living, Hanif, he told me that uh, they used to supply, at that time during apartheid, they used to supply the cakes uh, to the... Uh, South African Airways. I mean, uh, that was a feather in the cap for them, Ahmad. Yes, and in fact, one of the grandchildren, Shakira Kassam, the pediatrician, you know, she is, you can see she's excelled in the medical field as well. And, uh, 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 but yes, uh, uh, um, the Crescent Bakery and Kismet Bakery, yes, they were two brothers actually. Yeah. And uh, 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 I think uh, uh, Brother Kassam at the moment, he owns that uh, paving company. Yes, Asphalt. Uh, Asphalt company, yes, that, that, that's him, yes, yeah. But uh, no doubt about it, their queen cakes and their snowballs were something you'll never find today, I can assure you. But um, look at the sacrifices, Brother Shepard, no matter how difficult it was. You know, can you imagine today you're going to go and deliver those cakes in the at least yeah, you'll get a bus every five minutes, ten minutes. Can you imagine how many hours they would have had to wait just for the bus to be able to go and deliver those things and make sure that you get a bus to come back, otherwise you're in trouble. But uh, it's the sacrifice again. But no matter how difficult the government of the time made it, brother Herman, our people dealt with that challenges. They overcame those challenges. And they didn't look at it as a problem, but they looked for a solution. And that is why they put so much of emphasis on education. I mean, look at the number of schools and institutions, Brother Shafford, that were built by our people. You know, and that is the reason why, you know, it goes on today. uh, And more and more institutions, you know, are being built. It's because they understand the importance of education. No, absolutely, Ahmed. As we move on and uh, to our topic, and we look at uh, how long can the masses be duped, and uh, you know, we're looking at. Uh, uh, it is said that the food shortage or the food crisis, uh, the electricity, uh, energy crisis, the water crisis, is all orchestrated. And recently, we saw that the farmers of uh, Netherlands, you know, had come out in the hordes, of, uh, come out in the thousands, and they said, "No, we are taking on these people that are deliberately." hell-bent on uh, taking 
you know, uh, our um, production away and by lying to the world. I mean, we got enough production to feed the world. We have enough uh, to uh, supply the world, but there's a lie being told. And uh, subsequently believed a lot of, um, uh, you know, Dutch farmers had committed suicide. And the, you remember India, India had the same crisis where there was a deliberate ploy, uh, you know, to put the farmers out of business. And uh, many Indian farmers had uh, committed a suicide. But it seems as if the, 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 the Dutch story has caught the imagination of the world. And, uh, you know, subsequently they say Canada and many other countries have fallen suit. Uh, your thoughts on that and how conscientized is South Africa or the South African government, you know, uh, instead of falling into this trap of saying, oh, right, because of Ukrainian uh, Ukrainian war and this war. I mean, that's not a war. That's a facade that's been created by the U.S. and so forth. Even uh, you talk about Imran Khan, you spoke about him eloquently. Your good friend, uh, George Galloway, said, you know, who uh, messed up uh, Pakistan? It was uh, this Americans. And now they're making up stories altogether. And uh, many have said that the uh, uh, present regime that is there, uh, all uh, proxies of the Rothschild, the, Rock of, uh, the Rockefellers, also these uh, different types of, uh, you know, uh, what do you call these, uh, Illuminati groups and so forth. And uh, these are the groups that are trying their level best to bring mankind into misery. There's a tug of war uh, going on there. And, uh, you know, inshallah, as the Quran says, truth shall prevail and falsehood perish. Ahmad, your thoughts? Brother Shafat, first of all, the world is big enough for the population that we have. But the thing is, is it does not suit these powers. Those that want absolute, you know, there is this interpretation or understanding as well in the world that anything that is not white is inferior. And I think we sometimes underestimate or underreport as well on this phenomenon where they believe that if you're anything other than white is not uh, 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 you know, uh, 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 up to standing. Now, you know, you get reports of people talking about population reduction because they believe we are sitting at the population we're sitting with at the moment, and the rate it is growing is going to be catastrophic. They're not going to achieve the agenda that they want. Remember that a lot of countries, Brother Shafford, if you give a good, give good example, is South Africa. South Africa has so many different things. You have all your minerals. You have some of the finest climate in the world. You have beautiful agricultural land. The whole of Africa has 44% of the more arable land in the world is in Africa. But they only produce 13% of their food security. You know, they're raising concerns, Brother Shafat, about Ukraine and Russia. To be, you know, and... There is no doubt about it. There is too much of interference by the United States in what's going on in between Russia and Ukraine and also with China and Taiwan as well. And if there's anybody that will create war, it's going to be this United States of America's influence and interference that is going to cause that. Are you there, Brother Shafan? I'm listening to you loud and clear, and you know, I'm I'm yeah. I'm, 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 I'm glad you brought that issue about uh, the Ukraine and Russia because just the other day I was looking, I was listening to a documentary, and I just couldn't believe my ears the amount of propaganda where, uh, that was coming out from the American side, where they said that Vladimir Putin is a dictator, he's hell bent on killing people, and kills thousands, thousands, and thousands of uh, Ukrainians. And he's uh, put away all his opponents in his country. And, you know, he's at uh, this. And if America didn't, uh, or the Ukrainians in America and uh, the West didn't uh, take him on, you would have gone rampant and captured the entire West and, you know, and done a lot of damage as it is. But it was as if she was talking about her own America uh, doing all this running rampant in the world, uh, having opening, uh, you know, different types of camps, uh, Guantanamo Bay is still uh, around, and all these torturing camps and all these American bases are here, there, and everywhere. Uh, the uh, FBI decides which government they're putting in power, who they're taking out of position, and so forth. And all this is going on. But, you know, and it's the sad part is that there are individuals that will believe people like these. They'll believe them. But you and I, you know, we can read in between the lines. 
but there's no one there to tell people, you know what, here's a person talking nonsense. We should be giving a commentary. We should have had a panel. We should have like this uh, platform that we have, truthful news. And, you know, the people of mind that have been opened, those that are thinkers, tune into truthful news, and we will give you a, a, a dissection of that topic. Ahmed, your thoughts? I think the world is beginning to get a better understanding and, and are waking up to what the reality is on the ground currently. I mean, you know, the war in Russia, Ukraine, which I think the, the United States, I mean, you can't talk about wanting a peaceful solution there, but continuously go and supply more military equipment. You know, look at those biological uh, 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 institutions that they created in Ukraine. But over and above that, it's exactly the same thing. And I'm not saying China is any uh, innocent in anything, but the, even they are provoking the Chinese and, and, and uh, as far as the uh, challenges that they faced uh, with the China ta Taiwanese. Uh, the United States is, can you know, I, they have a dedicated team. Then their only job is to create mayhem and chaos all over the world, and uh, and, and 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 that is why you would find that from time to time, uh, even this issue of social media and mainstream media, which to a very large extent, a handful of people control all over the world, they tell you what they want you to hear. You know, and, and, and that is why when you see the reporting that is coming, even with what is happening in Russia and Ukraine, and I'm very glad, Brother Shafer, that, that that Russia is standing up, because I think the message we need to give, particularly to the West, for far too long, you manipulate the world, and the time has come now to put a stop. Astute engineer is uh, trying his uh, level best uh, to get Ahmad Manzoor Sheikh Imam uh, back online and as soon as we get Ahmad Manzur Sheikh Imam back yeah we got him back with gremlins are warning us uh, yes Ahmad as you're saying uh, you know uh, talking about uh, Russia and uh, what they've been doing uh, that uh, Putin is uh, relevant in uh, that he's uh, taking on uh, these people but uh, you know the point I was making is that it's very important for our people not to swallow everything uh, what America regurgitates I mean look at what they have done to RT uh, you know Russian uh, uh, television that uh, this took them out froze them wherever they wanted to and uh, with impunity it was as if to say you know we control the world Ahmed. Uh, your thoughts well it's exactly the same threat that exists today on the african continent because the west particularly the united states and things are threatening african countries that are supporting russia or being neutral on on the war between russia and ukraine so they are either telling you to come up, open up and condemn Russia or else we will take action against you. So you can see uh, how the United States particularly and others operate. And uh, in fact, uh, 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 coincidentally, I think we've got a, a, a question and answer session uh, next week. And in that question and answer session, one of the parties, I think it's the DA that is raising question, uh, concern about South Africa, uh, particularly the Minister of Defense visiting Russia and the, the, the stance of the South African government and things. So there are those that want you to come out and condemn Russia. Why not, you know, Ukraine who has been violating every agreement that they have entered into since 1990 or 1991? Uh, 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 you know, so, uh, you know, uh, I think to a very large extent, the Western world has managed to infiltrate many countries, but more importantly, where they are not able to infiltrate countries in, uh, in its entirety, they are able to infiltrate political parties, organizations, NGOs, NPOs, civil society. That is what they've managed to do. And that is why you would hear that sometimes people cannot be objective about exactly what is going on. Now, if you take the South African government, I think they've been very cautious about what they have to say about the war. They've been taken more in neutral stance, even though they know and understand what is going on. But very importantly, they often forget the role that Russia played in the liberation of South Africa as well. Uh, uh, and I think the Russian government expected more from them. However, I think they're quite satisfied. <laughs> they're calling us the friends of Russia right now after the visit and things of that nature. But I think what is important to note that 
Brother Shepherd, if you want peace in this world, if you want particularly underdeveloped or third world countries and things to develop and improve on the quality of life of its country and its people, then you cannot allow yourself any longer to be oppressed. You know, the oppression that we face by the apartheid regime is exactly what many parts of the world face because of the uh, interference of the West and particularly the United States. And if you look at even what happened in Pakistan, the measures that Imran Khan was planning to put in place, he could not achieve anything of that nature because it was the World Bank or whoever they've loaned a lot of money now put the pressure on them, wanted their money, called it off. So you can see how they will suffocate you at some stage if they are not able to, you know, uh, achieve their objective in your country. So a lot of the countries, particularly in the African continent and things, are highly indebted, Brother Shafur, to the World Bank and the IMF and all these organizations. If you see even in Sri Lanka, and, 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 and some of the Sri Lankans' problem arises from the huge debt that they have and that they're the mercy of these people in the West. So you don't toe the line. They give you these resources. They will give it to you open-handedly, but, and not because they want you to pay it back. They're giving it to you because they want to hold it against you. They want to hold you in ransom. That is what it is about. And they hope for you to default. Because as long as you default, they got you where they want you. And that's the difficulty. Take the African continent, Brother Shepherd. Why are you really in need of any of it? You've got all the minerals in this world, which is worth nothing because you're selling it for a fraction of what it's worth to the very same people that will make it as finished goods and bring it back here. Now, what stops you in your own continent but finishing the goods here and selling it as finished quality goods at 50 times the price to what you're paying for it and what you're getting for it right now? Why are you so dependent on them when 44% of your land in Africa is arable, the finest land, and you can't even produce enough food products for your own, for your own country and its people? Why? You know, why? you've got all the skills in the African continent. Where is it? Europe and the West takes away all your skills, okay? And you are left with nothing. You don't have enough skills in your own country. Why? So you can see how you are at the mercy of these people. If you are uh, uh, either you get into debt with them uh, or you don't tow the line with them, uh, you're in trouble. That's the problem. Absolutely. As you said, uh, towing the line and uh, being subjugated by them, as you put uh, Sri Lanka as a you know a powerful uh, example, where it, they ran the country into the ground. I mean, uh, it was uh, virtually giving them uh, more uh, more and more loans from the IMF. And the same thing is being done to Pakistan. And I'm, I'm wondering, uh, when you look at our country, how much of money has it taken from IMF? I mean, uh, I know that uh, Sunil Ramaphosa is a big addict to, uh, you know, getting money from here, there and everywhere and uh, not bothered about the future of uh, this country or the future or how the future generation will be subjugated and will be still paying for the mistakes of the elders, uh, Ahmad? Well, let me tell you, South Africa is no different. We're moving in the same direction. I remember raising this for the last six years, that you can't be borrowing and borrowing and borrowing. You won't have the capacity to pay. You'll reach a fiscal cliff. They're not interested. They continuously borrow. We're sitting at, what, about 4.4 trillion, going to expect it to go to about 5.5 trillion in the medium term, over 300 billion rand a year. Is you paying in interest alone? Okay, and you're taking and taking and taking. Now, even the figure I'm giving you, Brother Shepherd, is nowhere near the correct figure. This is only that national government has taken from uh, uh, institutions abroad. I'm not even talking about local debt. I'm not even talking about the, 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 the local government and provincial governments that also borrow, like Iteguini municipality, city of Cape Town. I'm not even talking about all how much of the debt they are. And you've seen... And, and let me tell you where another great risk you are sitting with. Brother. The second uh, colonization at the moment, if you look at it the way it is, may come from China. May come from China. I may not be here. 
to be able to see that. But I'm telling you, it's going to come from China because China is going to do exactly what the United States of America has done. And, and the West, how the West has given you and given you and given you. The Chinese are now investing, investing and giving you and giving you. And when you can't pay, they're going to take it over. So they're going to take absolute control of the whole African continent and everywhere else. That is going to be. And if you think the United States is bad, then wait and see what the Chinese do eventually. All because of our own doing. All because of our own doing. And, 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 and so I think the, the, as far as the debt is concerned, uh, it's very unfortunate, Brother Shafa. Take our country at the moment. Who are the actual direct shareholders of telecom? You and I, ordinary people on the ground, right? We are the actual shareholders of telecom. Government is selling it. Did they, did they take your permission to sell it? No. They're just getting rid of it. SAA, going. And uh, what do you call Denel was the pride and joy of South Africa. You know, you know, the military helicopters and the things that we produce gone. Now, let me also tell you what is important. Taxpayers money, brother, Shafford, gets used to create the state owned companies or state owned entities. And I asked this question yesterday to the Financial and Fiscal Commission. You fund these institutions. OK, you'll say it's for creating jobs and whatever it is. But it's an investment you're making in the state-owned company. Should the revenue from the state-owned companies not come back to the fiscus, to the treasury, so that you can have less of the burden on taxpayers or use it to build this economy even more? No, nothing comes back from them, brother. So you just give and give and give because it's not yours. You're giving the taxpayers money. That is what it means. Now, you want to dispose of these assets and because you are the ruling party in the country, you take these decisions on your own because by a majority, you're going to still pass it. But no consultation, nothing to do with the people on the ground who are the rightful owners of this institution like Telcom. Yeah, Mug, you talk about Telcom. I know, I, I mean, my mother had that account. I still got the same phone number. And they can't even, uh, you know, give us a rebate. They say, hey, when you're 50 years or 60 years, you had the same number Here's a rebate, you know, you're a loyal customer, you're a golden customer. Why don't they even think like that? But, you know, should they, uh, you know, we owe them money immediately, they'll hit you interest. And, you know, if you pay your account in advance, too, they don't even care about it, Ahmed. What type of uh, world are we living in? What type of government do we have? What type of institutions do we have around us? Cold-hearted people, Ahmed. Yeah, it's, 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 you know. It's all give and no take, you know. Uh, with government, you know, we must just give them, give them, give them and get nothing in return. So government's responsibility is just to take, take. Even the, the institution, if you take the, the local government as well, they keep taking. We must keep giving. But what do you get in return for the what you're giving? Nothing, Brother Shafat. Nothing. Are they, I mean, an ideal example is what is the purpose of rates and taxes? So that you provide a quality service to the people who's paying them, giving these rates and taxes. But you're not giving them that. But you must pay. If you don't pay, they'll attach and sell your property. Yeah. So, you know, until such time, the people in the country rise and take ownership of what is going on. And, 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 and so South Africa is not going to be a better place. It is getting progressively worse Every single day, Brother Shepard. Right now, government is not interested in anything in the country other than the internal faction and fight running to the conference. That's what it is all about. You can see, yeah, Brother Shepard, the, the, the flooding that you've had in KZN and things. There was money allocated, right? Another committees have been put in place. But do you see what the latest report from the Auditor General? The amount of corruption, mm. even after the COVID corruption, there's corruption in this flooding thing too. And the reports are out. So you can imagine. Yeah, disaster time is uh, money time for these uh, people that are addicted to looting and stealing and, uh, you know, have no conscience at all. I'm at the mashallah evening with you. Perhaps your parting words. Yes, I think we're in for a bit of a rough ride, brothers and sisters, leading to December when the so-called ANC is having their conference. But I think it's a time for a wake-up call. Do we want a better South Africa for our people, the younger generations? 
let me tell you, no matter how much of wealth we have, no matter how much of properties we have, no matter how much of cars and business we got, everything is at a threat or risk at this point in time. Unless we create a better society and, a, and, and ensure that we have people in government that are going to be there to protect our interests, protect our children and make it a safe, secure and a, 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 a healthy society so that our people could, you know, live uh, comfortably. Right now, I think we 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 on uh, on dangerous grounds. I think we need to come out from, uh, our, you know, most of the people who have the capacity and the ability and the commitment are not in politics. And I say again and again, let us not leave it to others. When people are in their comfort zone, come out into the open, be part of the solution. If you're not, it means the generations in the future will suffer because we didn't do enough. Remember, our forefathers did so much so that we could get the finest quality of education, have successful businesses and everything today. Now, we have a role to play to ensure that we protect the generations to come. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to Ahmad Manzu Sheikh Imam. Brilliant indeed. And Zakallah uh, Khaira to Lukalo for doing a great engineering. Keep it locked on to Marcus Sahaba for beautiful programming. From the team and I, till we meet you again, we bid you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.